0: be reading John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. You can find that on page 763 in your Red Pew Bibles. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name's Kevin. It is my task today to unpack these words from God's word to us this morning. If you're visiting with us Want to extend my warm welcome to you, and uh, we are, as a church family, going through this biography of uh, written of Jesus uh, in uh, the uh, in a few decades after Jesus walked this earth, written by Jesus' best friend, the Apostle John, the disciple John, uh, the one who he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, and. Uh, We're in the section of John's Gospel of this biography where Jesus is mere hours away before his betrayal and his crucifixion, his death, three days, four days before his resurrection. And Jesus here is now uh, with his disciples and he is teaching them to live as sent ones into the world, to live as those who have... um, been given the DNA of the kingdom, and who are now called to scatter throughout uh, towns and villages, regions, uh, and throughout the entire world with this DNA of the gospel to spread the seeds, to spread the good news about who Jesus is and all that he has done. And so as a community, we are, for this year, really um, submitting ourselves to the same teaching so that we would live as sent ones who would represent Jesus well in our Region. Now, you may say, well, I'm not actually a disciple of Jesus, and every week we have those who are uh, gathering with us here, those who are kind of kicking the tires on Christian faith, window-shopping Jesus, as it will, and, and we say, like, you are so welcome here, we're glad you're here, and we think actually the best place to explore the person of Jesus is among a community that takes him seriously, and uh, that, that takes his word seriously. And uh, we would just invite you to explore the person of Jesus. We think Jesus is, is compelling. We think his, his teaching has the ring of truth to it. We think his person and his character is beautiful. And we think his identity and all that he has accomplished is worth our attention and is, in fact, the most pressing question that we need to deal with. Who is Jesus? What has he accomplished? And so, as a church, our message is Jesus, Our message isn't that we're awesome. Our message isn't that we're a great community or that we're great people. Our message is that Jesus is worthy of worship, that he's compelling. And that we find him attractive and him beautiful. And that he is the good news that we are scattering throughout Niagara and throughout the entire world sharing. Now, John chapter 13 ends with Jesus being troubled, and we talked about that last week. It says that Jesus was troubled, but here, as he begins really to teach his disciples in this um, upper room discourse, it's called, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He's the one who is troubled because of what he knows is about to happen in the hours that, that will unfold, and yet Jesus is the one not receiving encouragement, but giving encouragement. He says, don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He ends chapter 14 with saying, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Why? Why is he so concerned with teaching his disciples that those who are going to be sent ones into the world, don't be troubled. Don't, let, don't have this anxiety about you. Don't have um, this fearfulness about you. Why? Because, as he says in 16, verse 33, he says, in this world you will have trouble. Trouble trouble will come. Difficulties will come. And he says, I want to give you something that when trouble comes, you won't be troubled by the trouble, right? Our our lives are always filled with with trouble. There's relationship troubles. There's there's, um, financial troubles. There's health troubles. There's um, safety, security troubles. There's always troubles about and Jesus says, I want to teach you, I want to give you something so that the trouble doesn't trouble you. And one of these things is here in these just three short verses that we've read already together in verses one to three. One of the things here is that there is a place for you. You don't, don't let your hearts be troubled because there is a place that's just for you. That you have a place, a place of belonging. There's a place that's been reserved, that's prepared that's there for you. And I want to talk about what, where, and how. So what is the place, where is it, and how do we get there? What, where, and how. What's the place? It's all here in this text. What is the place that has been prepared for you? And the answer is home. The answer is home. There's a home that's been prepared for you. Have you ever thought about why this idea and reality of home is such a powerful one. Why does uh, a friend that I know, who's really lived his entire life in Canada, but who has some roots in the Czech Republic, when uh, and he's a great hockey fan, so a couple weeks ago when the Czech Republic and Canada are facing off in the semifinals of the World Junior Tournament, why is he torn? He's Canadian through and through, and yet home. He's back in that country. That's where I'm from. That's my place. That's that's home. And so he's not sure. He's divided in his rooting interest. Why is home such a powerful place? You remember this movie? Remember this movie here? Here we go. Up, Carl Fredrickson is being forced to move out of his home to a retirement community. He doesn't want to sell his home to the developers as high-rises are going up all around him, and so he wants to move his home to find his place. Our world is thinking a lot about homelessness and refugees and exile, and, 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 and we know that being homeless is, is, is brutal and dehumanizing. That, that homelessness, why is homelessness so psychologically devastating? Not just physically devastating that you're exposed to the elements, but, but homelessness is psychologically devastating. In fact, they've done studies on children who've experienced homelessness early in life, and if early in life you've experienced this lack of home, there's an inability to attach for the rest of your life. This inability to attach. Homelessness is psychologically devastating. Why? Why? Well, one of the reasons is that we're persons, that we're people, and people, persons, are local. To be a person is to, is to take up a space. And so we have this longing in our hearts for home, this place where we belong, a place where the fire is on. You don't have to start the fire yourself. It's lit. It's a place of rest and peace and familiarity. A place where you can come just as you are. You don't have to, you know, put your Sunday best on. You can wear your track pants if you want. Right? Home. It's a place to belong. But here's the other truth, right? We have each one of us, I believe, has deep down in this, this desire to, to have a home. It's a place that fits us, where we don't have to mold to to change our shape to fit the that place. That place surrounds us and fits us. It's where we belong. We have this desire, but our memories always exceed the reality. Have you noticed that if you've ever traveled back home? Our memories of that place always exceed the reality of it. So uh, my childhood home is in Thorold. So that, you know where this is going. Um, but I re- And I remember this having this big house, and we were just down the street from this massive park where we could play for hours and like you could, you could throw a ball 10 times and still not get across the park, right? And so the, this vision you have is of this wide expanse and this beautiful street and, and it's Thorold, man. Like the house is small, the park is tiny. The me- our memories always exceed the reality we 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 have tastes and glimpses of home, and yet we've never really scratched the itch completely. We never really satiate the hunger we're never totally home we're never totally satisfied. Remember the movie the Martian Matt Damon is left behind by the, the group that was exploring Mars. Matt Damon wasn't built for Mars, so he can't go outside. He can't breathe Martian air. There's only 1.5% oxygen in the Martian atmosphere. We're built for 20% oxygen. It's psychologically damaging. There's no one else there, and so we break down. Living on Mars, you're going to die Quickly. But living here on earth, we die just a little more slowly. You see, the story of the Bible is that you cannot understand the human condition without this understanding of the longing for home. You can't understand the human condition without understanding alienation. You see, the story of the Bible begins in a home, a perfect home, and yet there was exile. And so throughout the story of the Scriptures, there's this this longing, this return for home. There's always exiles and, and longing for home, and we come home, and yet we're still under threat, and it's never quite home. We've never quite come all the way home. You see, we we're made for love that lasts forever. Not, we're, we we're made not to experience disease and suffering, cruelty, and death. We're under this curse, the Scriptures say. we're Socially, we're always blaming each other, and, and personally, psychologically, we're always uneasy with ourselves. And so we'd try to mask our homelessness. And if I could only have a great family, if I could only get the whole family together on this vacation, if I could only have this great house, Jesus says to those of us with that longing for home, I am preparing a place for you. For you. Reserved. Guaranteed. As the character at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia says, it's the country I've been longing for my entire life, though I didn't even know it. This is the home I've been longing for my whole life, but I never even knew it. Jesus says, I'm preparing a place for you, a home for you, a place where you can belong, a place where you can come as you are, a place of rest, a place of peace, a place of familiarity, a place of love. So where is the place for you? Where is the place for you? It's our second point, our second question. Jesus says, it's my Father's house. In my Father's house are many rooms. Our our home is in heaven. In my Father's house are many rooms. Now, some of you may have memories of translations that say, in my Father's house are many mansions. And so... It gets us thinking of you know kind of palatial estates that uh, that Jesus is up there like with hammer and saw in hand preparing a palace for you, and so we sing hymns like there's a mansion just over the hilltop, right? Of uh, of, of I'm walking for I'm waiting for the streets paved with gold, baby, right? But but the the only other time this word here that The NIVA translate rooms, which uh, the older versions translate mansion is used. There's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's later in this chapter in verse 23. And Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. It's make our home with him. Make our dwelling with him. The, The focus of the word is living with him. Living with him. And so the the focus here is not on the the palatial nature, on the the grandeur of the place, but that there is a place. There's a a living place, a place to live for you, a home for you in the Father's house. Jesus' focus is not that you're going to have a palace, but the focus is that there are many rooms. There are many places. There's room for more. There's room for you. There are many of them. And it's a place of love. It's my father's house. And I want you to come in. I want you to be with me. We'll be together. It's a place of love. He says, Don't be troubled. You'll die. And, and to the people he's talking to, they, they all died horrific deaths. They were, they were crucified, crucified upside down. They were they were tied to wild beasts and pushed off in the other direction, torn limb from limb. They were tortured and the only one that wasn't killed for his faith was died lonely exile in prison. You're going to die. And it's going to be horrible, but your home is in heaven. Your home is in this place of perfect love. And so the, he's saying, don't be troubled. The worst thing that can happen for you is really just a doorway to the best thing. It's really just a doorway to the best thing. D.L. Moody, this famous preacher in the past, says, you know, one day, he told us here is one day you're going to read in the newspaper, D.L. Moody is dead. He says, don't believe the rumors. I'll be more alive than I've ever been. See, friends, either you believe in the afterlife or you don't. Either you believe that there is life after this life or you don't. And if you believe that there is life after this life, most of us are nervous we don't quite know what it's going to be like and we're not sure it's going to be good because we know that we haven't lived the life we should have lived. And so we're uncertain, we're we're anxious, we're uneasy, we're troubled. So most of us just try to avoid the topic of death, pretend like it's not going to happen, don't prepare for it. Which is interesting because it's the only certainty in your life, right? After taxes. Like we we get prepared for all kinds of things. We get prepared for all kinds of things that may or may not happen, and yet this one thing will happen. Or maybe you believe, maybe you're convinced there is no afterlife, and yet then there's a fear because you're just gone. You lose lose all love. You lose your very self if there is no life after death. Death is an enemy. Death is our enemy. We're not made for it. It's not right. But friends, a Christian does not have to be afraid. We don't have to be troubled by it. Because Jesus says it's just the entrance into a world of love. So stop thinking about clouds and thrones and harps and gold. Think about love. God is love. The scriptures teach us God is love. That's who he is. He is a fountain of love. And so he invites us to a home. He doesn't invite us to a stadium where we'll just watch him do his thing. He's not inviting us to an auditorium where he's going to lecture us. He's inviting us to his home, to his house, prepared for you, reserved for you. And so a Christian, in fact, not only not has, doesn't have to be afraid of death, a Christian can taunt death. That's what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 15. He's like, oh, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Christ has overcome it all. One of my favorite Poems of all time, written by George Herbert. It's on the screen here. Watch, listen to this, this uh, dialogue anthem. It's, a, it's an imagined dialogue between a Christian and death. The Christian says, Alas, poor death, where is thy glory? Where is thy famous force, thy ancient sting? Alas, poor mortal, void of story. Go spell and read how I have killed thy king. I've killed Jesus. Poor death. And who was hurt thereby? thy curse being laid on him makes thee accursed. Let losers talk, yet you, thou shalt die. these arms shall crush thee. Spare not, do thy worst. I shall be one day better than before, thou so much worse that thou shalt be no more. Taunt, you see that the taunt of death. Do your worst, death. You're only going to make me better, but one day you're not even going to exist as Jesus does away with it. Our home is in heaven with Jesus, and one day Jesus will return to bring heaven to earth in the new heavens and the new earth. So the question is how? How do you get home? How do you get to this place that's prepared for you? And the answer is, Maybe surprisingly, is through hell, but not for you. How do you get home? It's through hell, but not for you. You see, when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, he's not talking about his ascension where he's gone up into heaven. So Jesus isn't right now actively preparing a place. He's not, again, doesn't have the, the hammer and the saw in his hand and building a mansion right now for you. When, he's, when he says to his disciples in the upper room on Thursday evening, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's talking about going to the cross. You see, it's his going to the cross through his crucifixion that he prepares the place and secures the place. And so he's not saying to his disciples, if you live a good enough life, maybe one day when you die, I'll let you into my house. He's not saying if you, if you do enough if you've if you've um, if the balance of good and bad oh, wait, if the balance for good outweighs oh, the bad that you've done, then I'll let you in. He's saying, "No, I'm going to secure the place. I'm going to the cross to secure a place for you in heaven." See, the wages of sin is loneliness and alienation, homelessness. See, we know that, right? The more proud you are, the more selfish you are, the more lonely you'll be. Right None of us want to be around someone who's just entirely self-centered and, fo- and self-centered and proud, and yet when we're honest, we see that in our own hearts. We just, some of us are just better at masking it over in public. The more self-centered we are, the more lonely and alienated we are. The wages of our, of our selfishness, the wages of our pride is loneliness and alienation. But the beautiful news is that Jesus has come as a homeless wanderer. Foxes have dens. Birds of the air have nests. I have nowhere to lay my head, he says. He was crucified outside the city gate. He went into the exile we deserve so that we could be brought in. He left his heavenly home. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas, so that we could be brought in. Based on his merits, not on what we've done. And while he was on the cross, he said, Father, why have you, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I in exile right now? Why am I kicked out of the home right now? Why am I kicked out onto the streets right now? Why am I all alone right now? It's so that you and I, friends, could be brought in and have a home and have this tremendous hope. And so how do we get in? Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus says. Trust not in what you can do. Trust not in your efforts. Trust not in how awesome you are. Receive what I'm doing for you. As I'm going now to the cross to prepare a place for you, receive that. Accept that. Trust in that. Believe in that. Did it work? Did his comfort, did his encouragement for his disciples work? They went and gave their lives for it, for the message. They believed it so much, they died joyfully. Trust in me, he says. And friends, we still die. But we, he has taken the real separation. He's taken the real death. We still die. Remember um, when my grandfather died in 1999, reading this illustration and it's been very comforting and instructive for me ever since. It was a story of, I think it was a minister who had just lost his wife, and he had young kids, and they were driving to the funeral. And it was a sunny day, and a big transport truck drove past. And there was a ray of light for this, this man, and he said to his kids, he says, kids, would you rather get run over by the shadow of this truck We just got run over by the shadow of the truck. Would you rather get run over by its shadow or would you rather get run over by the truck? The kid said, of course, well, of course the shadow. He says, we were walked through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23. Your mom's been run over by the shadow of death right now, but Jesus was run over by the truck. Jesus got the truck so that we only get the shadow. And when we're run over by the shadow, it's really just an entrance into a world of love, to be with Christ until that great day of resurrection when we'll be raised and be together with him in the Father's house forever. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in Christ. There's a place for you. And Jesus has gone to the cross to prepare it for you. And so believe in him. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray that you would give us faith, this gift of faith to trust in Jesus so that we would have this boldness in the face of suffering and death. That we could say, Do your worst, death. We will be, this is just a translation into something better, a better version of ourselves. Until one day, death will be no more. So we praise you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, we praise you for going to the cross to welcome us into your home of love. Father, some of us are are seeking home so bad, and we're, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. And Father, I pray that your spirit would now draw us to the Father's house to find the welcome and embrace that we so long for. In Jesus' name, amen.